right, we are back. I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Standing by to join us is Carolyn Grant. She's executive director of NAMS Museum of Making Music. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. So if you could tell the listeners a little bit about the Museum of Making Music, that would be great. Well, the Museum of Making Music is affiliated with NAM, which stands for the National Association of Music Merchants, which is the international association that represents all of the uh, companies and individuals that make, sell, make and sell musical instruments and, and sound and lighting products. So our museum is what is known as an association-affiliated museum, and we track the history of the music products industry, basically. Um, we look at, uh, starting from about 1900 to today, we look at um, the development of musical instruments and products. So we have um, sound samples and about 600 instruments on display uh, and a lot of programming that goes with it. So basically, it's a story of how uh, the industry has provided tools mm -hmm. and how we have gained access to those tools that enable us to express ourselves through music in whatever way we want. It is unbelievable. I went there once. Uh, we took our kids. It is such an incredible experience. You should never go there when you're in a time crunch. You want to just soak it all in. There's so much yes, to see. Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, I think anybody that has any sort of interest in music or curiosity, whether it's you've never picked up an instrument or you're a professional musician, it gives a unique perspective on music making that you don't find everywhere. You know, we don't focus so much on the celebrity side of the industry, although that is a very important, um, important side of our story. We don't focus so much on that. We focus more on the celebrity of those who make the make make and distribute these instruments. Right. So it's a unique perspective. I just, I love it. It's so historical and, and in such an interactive way that, you know, I mean, kids just gravitate towards the displays. I mean, I'm a big kid, so. Yeah, um, but kids of all ages. From, we, yes. <laughs> from nine months to 90 years old. Uh, yes, it, we try to infuse a lot of interactivity because, of course, the beauty of this whole ecosystem of you know, making and providing tools is what happens when these tools get into the hands of a musician, be it an amateur musician or a, a you know, highly proficient musician. Um, that's when the magic happens. Um, so uh, the, the backstory is what, is what we tell, but what we celebrate is that magic that happens when everything comes together. It's amazing. So <laughs> speaking of backstory, could you tell the listeners a little bit about your background? Because you have a great background. Well, my background is, yes, it's, it's, uh, it is unique, as all of our backgrounds are. Um, I, um, I guess I would start off just by saying that I am somebody that is wire, wired for music. Mm -hmm. I, if I'm not playing it, I have to be around it, and if I'm not around it, I have to be thinking it. I mean, I just I uh, am just made for music. Mm -hmm. um, but my background, you know, I'm not a, I wouldn't uh, consider myself by any stretch of the imagination a professional musician. I tried to stay involved with, with music all of my life. Um, I tried to find all, you know, the door into the world of music making. I, I had some challenges along the way in that we 
didn't have, you know, I kind of had some, you know, cha- path, pathway changes throughout life that uh, didn't, uh, didn't help me stay focused on music for a while. That but, happens. Um, it happens. <laughs> it does happen. Yeah. We moved to a different country. My dad died. Oh, um, you know, sorry. things like that. That yeah. life, life things that you have to handle. Um, but you know, that never. I, I never stopped searching for my place in the world of music. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I actually studied piano performance in in college. Um, I made it through a couple of years, and then. Just you know, could tell I wasn't cut out to be a, a you know perform a piano a pianist you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I switched my major and got a master's degree in uh, French literature and um, wow. of all things you know. Yeah. But there were some similarities. I mean, if I couldn't do music, my second love was poetry and literature and and the the written word and the spoken word. You know, it's all somehow related, it right? Is. It is. Yes. So um, I I did my master's degree in that, and then started working in that field, and then I just that pull of music would not let me go. And even so though I wasn't is. making any music at the time, I just I just couldn't couldn't I couldn't stay away from it. So right. finally, I saved up enough money, and this was when I was probably in my early thirties, mid thirties. Saved up enough money, uh, quit my job, and. Um, just went out on my own with this vague notion that I'm somehow going to get back to music. I and love it. Uh, it was a noble endeavor. It, yeah. <laughs> it was harder than I had thought. Um, oh, yes. I had read lots and lots and lots of books about, you know, following your dream, the money will come, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And eventually that did turn out to be true, but boy, that transitional period was so was, hard. Uh, was challenging. Oh, yes. <laughs> but anyway, one thing led to another, and the years went by. And I, uh, I'll tell you, your original question, how I got here to this mm-hmm. museum, I um, was working with a coach, um, a you know career coach, and I finally, after about two years of working with this person, sat down and wrote a resume. And in the, the early morning hours, it came to me, and the, what I put at the top of the resume was, I want to work in a museum environment, preferably about music. Really? I actually did that. And then I thought, okay, now what do I do with this resume? (laughs) So I I went to a temp agency where I had gotten to know them, you know, somewhat well by this time. And I told the woman there, I said, you know, I've had held a number of different jobs, but this is the job that I want. So if you ever come across this job let me know, and she kind of laughed, and I kind of laughed, because, you know, that type of job, who, who, who has that job, right? Right, right. Uh, so, <laughs> you do. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, literally about three months later, um, I got a call, and uh, she had this funny, funny, you know, tone in her voice, and she just said, you know, I, I think I found your job. Whoa. And, and it was, you know, I had I was living here in Southern California, and uh, about five minutes away from my home, Nam had just finished building the Museum of Making Music, and the founding director was looking for an assistant. And uh, I just said, I that that I uh, that I have to have that job. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, it reminds me of when people make a vision board. I want to do this, and I want that to happen, and boom, you, it happened. It does. Um, sometimes it takes a lot of 
sometimes, you know, the timing, you have to be very open to what the timing is going to be. Um, and sometimes it takes more work than you think it's going to. But I, I tell you, it is powerful. Right. So, you know, the theme of my show is Get the Funk Out. Yeah. And it's so interesting how, obviously, your life is not linear. And it makes it more interesting when it's all over the place and bumpy and you learn so much about yourself. How do you think you stayed or move through different funks in life? What helped you? Was it music, or was it just a great mindset? Oh, it was <laughs> definitely music and mm-hmm. writing. It oh, was yeah. the two together um, pulled me through. And, of course, having, you know, a few wonderful people in your, in your life that, 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 that are with you all the time and stand next to you and, and uh, you know, guide you through the dark moments. But yes. um, definitely music, you know, even when I was in high school, um, you know, after my dad had died and we moved to a different country and I felt, you know, kind of isolated and alone and, um, you know, I would tune in to American, um, what is it, what was it, Casey Kasem's American Top 40? Remember that? Yeah, Yeah. I know I'm dating myself, but (laughs) I would um, put, you know, I would listen to that for hours and just somehow that gave me some sort of anchor. Um, That's the only way I can think to put it. Um, so yeah. it was listening to music, identifying with the music, making music of my own whenever I could. And uh, if I couldn't make the music, if I didn't have the you know, proficiency to be able to do what I heard in my head, then you know, putting pen to paper. Um, it really was what pulled me through all those, all those bumpy times. Amazing. No, I, I hear you. I started playing guitar uh, at first at 10, and then I would stop and start years later as a teen and I was describing to my daughter how it's like a relationship you break up you get back together again you know um you might all your laundry might be all over (laughs) your guitar you know (laughs) and and then now I feel like I feel so much better when I sit down and I play and I learn a song and and it's you know if I'm going through a tough time and I'm like I was working on Blackbird and um, it's so powerful, not just to me, but for my kids to hear this music coming from my room. Right. Well, um, you know, two things there. One, and I, I tell this to my nephew, too, that um, once you have music in you, once you've touched an instrument, picked up an instrument, played it, whether it be a short period of time or for many, many years, once it's in you, it's in you, and it yeah. will always be there so it's something you can always draw upon and secondly I do think there is a physical I know I'm I'm an amateur cellist now and so I know that there is a physical change in my brain after I sit down to play music oh, it, it, yes. somehow I just feel like it it's like combing combing the the knots out of your hair or something it's uh, it 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 right it does something to the brain that you know i don't mean it makes you always feel you know uh, you know wonderful but it but right. it makes you feel makes me feel centered yes yeah. oh i i completely relate i went upstairs for an hour and a half over the weekend and i just played different songs and I kept thinking it doesn't matter how well you play these but just keep playing and then make right. things up and have you have you read the book or heard of the book Zen Guitar? No I don't think I know that book. It, it was written years ago and another guitarist um, who I'm going to have on my show Gretchen Men from Zeparella um, told me about it or I heard about it and 
it, it's so interesting. It's by Philip Toshio Sudo. And huh. it's not about being this amazing shredding guitarist. It's not about technique. It's how you look at things in life. And even if you play two notes, but you can play those two notes just in an amazing way, and you have no ego. Leave the ego at the door. And it just teaches you how to um, form relationships with other musicians and how you view yourself and how you approach practicing. It's very powerful. Oh, I'll have to read that. I, I, I do so believe um, it, uh, that it is about the process. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it, the end result is, is, is wonderful, but, you know, some of us are never going to be, you know, Yo-Yo Ma. And so, you know, if, you're, if you can, you know, it is all about that relationship with your instrument, which is actually an extension of the relationship with yourself, of course. Mm-hmm. And it is finding that expression that, you know, it's like amplifying your own being. Right, right. Playing an instrument. So, and I love, yeah. and I must say one thing. Beef. <laughs> yes, I believe so, so profoundly that children need to be exposed. Children and adults, children of all ages, need to have the opportunity to be exposed to a wide variety of instruments because each one of us, we we all are such unique individuals, and musical expression is as individual as we are. And so if you've only been exposed to one instrument or you're told you need to play that instrument, mm-hmm. that might be fine, but, but never forget that there, are, there, there is a, such a vast array of instruments, such a vast array of ways that we can show, show the world who we are through music. And if you're not resonating to one instrument, mm-hmm. if you're just not finding your footing with that instrument, try another one. Oh, that's great advice. <laughs> so before we have we have uh, some more time, we're not going to wrap till close to ten. If you have like five, ten more minutes, but oh sure, um, I know you've got some great exhibits coming up. Um, one is called "Floating Strings: The Remarkable Story of the Harp Guitar in America." Uh, goes through April. Over forty harp guitars will be on display for a special gallery presenting a forgotten instrument that has existed and survived for centuries. It's such an interesting instrument. <laughs> This is one of my favorites, yes. Um, the, we brought in a fabulous guest curator for this. He is a world-renowned expert on harp guitars. In fact, uh, his name is Greg Miner, and he wrote the definition of harp guitar that is now in the Grove Dictionary. Um, really? And um, so the, it's called floating strings, and that is because Harp guitars are uh, guitars that have your standard fretted neck, but that also have additional non-fretted strings mm-hmm. um, uh, either attached to a second neck or attached to the body in some way or attached to an extended headstock. So they're floating because they're plucked and they're not um, fretted. Um, and typically, although this very the one thing about the harp guitar is that it's tremendously uh, varied in its appearance mm-hmm. and in the way that they're constructed. There's a lot of individuality there, but typically, many times you'll see the floating strings be bass strings. Oh, so you can pluck your bass string, then play your guitar chords, your guitar melodies, 
And that, so it adds this deep, rich harmony to the guitar. They, they're incredible. I mean, I, I was looking them up over the weekend to look at the different <laughs> designs and everything, and um, there was an artist I used to listen to in graduate school, Andreas Voldenweider. And yes, 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 okay. I remember him. Okay, so I was looking at this guitar thinking, this must sound gorgeous, This gu- they, the sound on this guitar. They um, have a very um, full resonance. Um, they are they're they're stunning to look at, and it's it's um, what do I say? It's kind of a treat for the ear to listen to someone who is proficient on harp guitar. Now they're not one thing that Greg would really want me to tell you is that they're not hybrid instruments. They're not a cross between a harp and a guitar. Okay. Um, they were they started to be referred to as harp guitars in the early part of the 1900s here in the United States um, and then the the term kind of got adopted organically and then they started now they're called harp guitars but uh, they're they're um, they are you know what I said before also they are they are each so there are some mass-produced harp guitars that have a um, that are that have the same you know shape uh, are mass produced of course, uh-huh. but there are some many of them um, are highly individualized. When you see this, um, when you see this exhibition, there are no two alike. It's not forty harp guitars that you know have some you know small difference. It's forty pieces of art. Interesting. Truly. Wow. So yeah. tell me about NAM. What's coming up this week? You have an exhibit there as well. Okay, so we are so fortunate. Uh, we have three presences this year at the NAM show. So first of all, we have um, an exhibition of photographs that is going to be uh, on display in the NAM member center, which is in the lobby of the Anaheim Convention Center, and these are photographs by. Uh, Henry Diltz, and Henry Diltz uh, is well known for his, uh, he's the one that did the um, Crosby, Sills, and Nash photograph um, on their iconic album. Mm -hmm. He's done James Taylor album, you know, album covers, Uh, just an iconic photographer. So we will have a a display of uh, his photographs in the member center, and these are not the, these are typically when he caught the artist somewhat off guard. So these are not the po- not like posed that. photographs. Yes. So we have that. We have a second uh, presence, which is completely different. We partnered with the Piano Technicians Guild mm-hmm. um, to put uh, up a display about the art of being a piano technician, and that has three historic pianos in that display. One of those pianos was actually the piano that was present in Ford Theater the night that President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. So Whoa. it's got some cachet to it and a yes. little bit of backstory to that instrument. And then our third presence is down in the lobby to Hall E, which is our performance stage. Uh, being the Museum of Making Music, uh, you know, it's all about making the music. So uh, we do a lot of live music. We have a concert series here at our museum. Um, at NAM headquarters in Carlsbad, and then we take um, our performance stage uh, to the NAM show as well. So we've got four days of 
live music in on our stage as well. So busy, busy week for us. That's great. Now, this is not open to the public, correct? That's correct. It's a trade-only okay. uh, trade trade show. Okay, great. Um, but they can find out more if they visit www.museumofmakingmusic.org. And I know you're on Twitter. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, museumofmakingmusic.org. Perfect. Any last bit of advice for people that are musical or perhaps, as I mentioned earlier, they, they broke up with their instrument and they got back together and they, you know, they're all over the place. <laughs> Keep the lines of communication open. Nice. That would be my advice. Yes. Whether you're, you're and, and never, never doubt, never doubt the pull of music. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's powerful and it's there for a reason, so... And, you know, you don't have to, this is one of the things I read in this um, book I was mentioned earlier, is you don't have to compare yourself to everybody else. You find your own musical talent and your own skill set, and whatever you can do, do the, be the best at that. Yes, I uh, absolutely. Keeping it, keeping it as your own individual expression, you, you uh, yeah, I, I, I can't agree with you more, I guess is what I say. Yeah. I cannot agree with you more on that note. Well, I hope to meet you sometime. It would be wonderful. Oh, I, we must. We must get together. I hope you'll come down, and I hope to see you at the NAMM show. I would love to. I want to add one thing. When um, my grandmother was alive, uh, my dad said he would like to ask her permission to give me her ukuleles uh, from, like, 1925. <laughs> <gasps> so I have these old wooden things, and some are signed by her classmates. Uh, when I see oh. you, I'll come to your museum, and I'll show you. I'll bring them. Oh, please. Please, please, or send me a photograph. I will. In the I'll meantime. send you a photograph. I'd love to see those. Okay, wonderful. All right, I loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much for having me today. Have a great day. You too. That was Carolyn Grant, Executive Director of NAMS Museum of Making Music, and uh, what a great backstory into finding her perfect job as Executive Director of NAMS Museum of Making Music. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kfci.org. And again, I am on Twitter at moms underscore rock. And KUCI is on Twitter at KCIFM. We're on Instagram, KCIFM, uh, Facebook, KCI889. We'll listen to a, one more from Jeff Healy. And then uh, Sheldon Abbott is standing by to take over with Cure for the Blues. You're listening to KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. <laughs> 